Greetings, friends, fellow patriots, and fellow citizens, and welcome to this week's edition of the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I'm the president of the We the People Convention, and we're awful glad that you decided to join us this week for what is basically a weekly news recap an opinion show where we kind of look at what's happened this week that you should know about that can affect your individual freedom and liberty and prosperity. And then we take action. We uh, don't just talk about it. Uh, we take action. We took action last week and uh, we're going to report on that this week. And then we've got more things for you to do because it is we the people who have to defend our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity. Nobody else is. We are going to have to defend our Constitution and our American way of life and our country. That's absolutely clear, I think, to anyone who's you know seen what's going on in our country today. So uh, that's what this show is about. We thank you for uh, to tuning in, and we thank you for telling other people about the show. We greatly appreciate it. I'm recording the show on uh, Saturday, uh, June 19th, and it's Father's Day's weekend, and I'll talk about Father's Day at the end of the show. But I wanted to open the show by talking to you about Juneteenth, which just became a national holiday this week. And while Juneteenth Juneteenth is an, an important date in American history, and I think you know Americans should be be proud of this date because it's the date in which the the news that uh, slaves and uh, that the end of slavery was you know uh, came about by President Lincoln's proclamation Emancipation Proclamation uh, during the Civil War. That news didn't reach the slaves in Texas until Juneteenth. And that, uh, you know, was a, a time for celebrating. And since then, uh, the black community in, in, in Texas and then spreading across the country have celebrated Juneteenth. And I, I think that's awesome. And we do, you know, celebrate that. But should it be a national federal holiday? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that that should be. Uh, you know, Cinco de Mayo is not a national holiday. Uh, St. Patrick's Day isn't really a national holiday. But there's another part of this that I'm sure you weren't, uh, you know, didn't hear about. And that's that the end of slavery in America is certainly worth celebrating. This comes from Steve Moore from the Committee for Prosperity. Uh, he says, um, but these federal holidays are getting mighty expensive. Our friend Adam Andrzejewski of Open the Books calculated that federal employees now get 44 paid days off each year, at least two more weeks off than most private sector workers earn. Andrzejewski estimates that each paid holiday costs federal taxpayers more than $800 million, and that doesn't include some of the military and postal workers. When adding in those employees, the cost is approaching $1 billion in taxpayer money for these 44 holidays that federal employees enjoy. And I don't know about you, but I think that's a little out of control. And uh, it's not something that we do celebrate. So while, you know, we, we understand the historical significance of Juneteenth, uh, we definitely don't think it should be a national holiday. But to those of you who celebrate it, happy Juneteenth. All right. Well, I just kind of clean up a couple other things. I don't know if you guys noticed, but about three weeks ago, I asked you all to watch this very important interview between Dr. Jordan Peterson and a young lady named Yunami Park, who was born in North Korea and escaped North Korea and, and came to the United States and told the story about it. And interestingly enough, you know, I sent that to you weeks ago. And the, the mainstream media, including Fox and the Wall Street Journal people, finally became aware of it. I heard it on Dennis Prager. He interviewed her. But 
they got it all wrong. Their whole emphasis was that the indoctrination that Yanomi Park got in North Korea was the same as what she got when she went to school in Colombia. And that's, you know, that was a very powerful moment. Those who watched the video, you know, picked up on that, where Dr. Peterson was very emotionally distraught over that revelation. But again, you need to go and watch this video. It's, it's this interview. It's a couple hours long. And, but it's, it is very important because we all need to understand what we're fighting against. And, and most Americans have no clue. Now, there was another video, and I didn't post it on We The People Convention website. You can watch, you know, the, the You Know Me Park video there. But if you just search on Jordan Peterson, and he interviewed uh, uh, Barry Weiss, who's a young woman who was an opinion writer for the New York Times, who was driven out of the New York Times by anti-Semites because she refused to follow the woke, you know, guidelines and, and you know, throw Israel under the bus. That interview is two hours and 20 minutes. Now, I know my podcasts have been getting longer, and I'm trying to make this one shorter, but but sometimes it's very important to be able to have a discussion that is in that much depth. I'm asking you to watch the Barry Weiss video interview with Jordan Peterson because they talk a great deal about the left and what's driving them. And, and she, Barry Weiss, is really fired up to stop this woke agenda. You must study your opponents, your enemies, to learn how to defeat them. That's why I watch these videos. That's why you have to watch these videos. The insights into what people on the left who think that critical race theory is okay are thinking is very informative in the Barry Weiss Jordan Peterson interview. So I'm asking you to go search and look that up. And Barry is spelled B-A-R-I Weiss W-E-I-S-S. But again, that's why you watch this podcast because we're three weeks ahead of most other people, and you're better informed than 99% of your peers. All right, on to big things this week. And one of the biggest things was, you know, Biden's Attorney General issued a threat about you know these audits and you know garland put out a thing last friday i think it was and you know we didn't get to cover as much as i wanted to but we posted this on the we the people convention video uh, you know podcast or website if you go to we the people convention.org you'll see your Merrick garland's statement and speaking uh friday regarding what the left misleading terms voting rights garland issued a not too so subtle threat to states that are doing election audits Attorney General Merrick Garland announces that the Justice Department will scrutinize any post-election audits for evidence of voting laws violations. All right. Now, that's all well and good that they did that. But again, when I read it, I could tell they didn't have a leg to stand on. This was just a, a threat. They don't have any law backing them up. Okay. And I'll tell you how you can tell. I also posted the link at that same webpage where the Attorney General for uh, Arizona, um, General Mark uh, Bronovich, is warning the, his federal counterpart to stay out of the way of the audit of the 2020 election returns. In a letter Monday, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland uh, to U.S. Attorney Merrick Garland, Bronovich said to Garland is displaying an alarming disdain for state sovereignty by suggesting there may be a need for federal oversight of the state Senate audits of Maricopa County votes. Bronovich hinted that any intrusion will result in a lawsuit. 
Arizona will not sit back and let the Biden administration abuse its authority or refuse to uphold laws or attempt to com commandeer our state's sovereignty, Bronovich said, who recently announced a bid to become a Republican nominee for U.S. Senate in Arizona about time. So this is a political move, but it was also a strong move. Listen, the, the, the Constitution, the 10th Amendment, gives the right to handle elections to the states. That's why we're all fighting this House Bill um, you know, uh, 1 and S, uh, SR 1, where the, the Democrats are basically attempting to federalize, take over all the election stuff. Can't do that. They can't do that. It's against the law. And so this attorney general is right to stand up and do it. And so here's what the Democrats are afraid of. I posted this story, you know, report several hundred thousand Maricopa County ballots reported missing. OK, and this comes from some of observers of the Maricopa County uh, audit. Here's what the one guy said. He said, we found a ballot shortage anywhere from five to to 10% of the votes, Josh Barrett, an audit organizer who led the affidavit drive to make the audit happen, tells National File. It looks like a couple hundred thousand ballots are unaccounted for. The ballots are missing. I also know that there were boxes filled with blank ballots in those pallets. There were blanks in there, Barnett said, citing a person who was frequently at the audit site as part of the audit process. They, election officials, were doing it for appearances to try to hide the fact that the ballots are missing by saying, it's okay, they're all right there. But the ballots are blank. That's why we're doing this audit, folks, because there's bad things happening. And so the federal government and the Biden administration and Merritt Garland, who they wanted us to make a, a Supreme Court justice, right, is turning out to be a total political hack. That's this guy is. All right. So we've got to fight that. And we are fighting that. Came across an interesting story here from Ohio. And I know a lot of you in Ohio, a lot of my fellow Tea Party members and patriots have lots of concerns about Frank LaRose. And I've taken some heat because we got so close to Frank LaRose, our Secretary of State, during last year's election. But we did that to protect the integrity of the election, and it worked out. That's why Trump won Ohio and didn't win Pennsylvania or Michigan, because we worked with the Secretary of State to make sure that we could vote in person and that th it was on the up and up. Now, there's people who feel, and Dr. Frank is one of them, that there was still cheating in Ohio, and we are investigating that. But I, I wanted to give you this story to give you some perspective on the kind of things that are going on that you don't see reported anywhere. Back in February, the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission, the federal board that sets guidance on how Americans vote, adopted a comprehensive and long-awaited update to its security standards on electronic technology. This is, this is just in February, not before the 2020 election. But while the election security community largely embraced the Voluntary Voting Systems Guidelines 2.0, the four-member EAC stopped short of banning wireless connectivity in ballot scanners and electronic tablets, a decision that led a group of technologists and former election officials to say that even switched off wireless capabilities pose a security risk. Still, individual states are free to set their own guidelines for election technology. On Tuesday, Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose announced updated standards that explicitly prohibit wireless capabilities and equipment used there. WVG was a big change. This is a small but impactful change, LaRose told State Scoop of the EISA update that allows the inclusion of wireless radios. The changes were made by Ohio Board of Voting Machines Examiners, a four-person bipartisan group that reviews and certifies the election equipment used by the state's 88 county boards of elections, including electronic poll books, printers, and ballot scanners. 
A voting machine shall not be connected to the internet. A voting system or voting machine is prohibited from containing any wireless communications, hardware or software components the update standards read. This change comes on top of existing Ohio law meant to block voting machines from connecting to the internet at all. But LaRoe said it was necessary as more election tech vendors sell products with wireless capabilities built in. Many of these products are based on off-the-shelf commercially available technology that include Wi-Fi as standard features. And we saw this in Michigan where they're saying the Dominion machines had on the circuit boards uh, cell phone capabilities, okay? I'm no Luddite when it comes to this stuff, LaRose said. I'm all about embracing technology, but the actual casting of ballots, that should be completely air-gapped. We have a hard copy paper trail that goes with every ballot, he said. You've got a dead tree, ink on paper copy, and then you've got the digital record. That's the way it should be. So, again, there, these, these agencies that are setting these standards still don't get it. You know, we don't want electronic balloting. We want paper balloting. And, and they keep saying it's okay for them to have wireless technology. Oh, but, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, it just doesn't have to be turned on. No, can't have it at all. Can't have it at all. Okay, on to the next uh, big story this week. And I had posted this on wethepeopleconvention.org. And uh, it was a Mark Levin last Sunday night did a very in-depth interview with um, you know, Julie Kelly and with Mark Meadows about the political prisoners being illegally held by the Biden administration from the January 6th you know, uh, protests that they call armed insurrection. That video is very powerful. If you didn't see it, go to WeThePeopleConvention.org. It's about 40 minutes. I think it's like 34 minutes. Very good. But on that page, I linked you to a huge, really important article that every one of you needs to read end to end. I mean that. It's a long article, but it's really the most important article that's come out since January 6th. And it's, it's basically, did the FBI and DOJ instigate the January 6th violence? It looks like they did read this huge breaking, uh, breaking story, which was published in Revolver News. Okay. Now, let me just, I can't, you got to go read it because it's really important. But let me just read you these quotes from it so you can see what the heck they're really talking about. Revolver News is willing to address the matter directly in the following three questions. And, and you know, the matter is, did the FBI instigate January 6th violence? In the year leading up to 1-6 and during 1-6 itself, to what extent were the free, uh, three primary militia groups, quote-unquote, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, and the Three Percenters, that the FBI, DOJ, Pentagon, and news networks have labeled most responsible for planning and executing a capital attack on 1-6? How much were they infiltrated by agencies of the federal government or informants of said agencies? Exactly how many federal undercover agents or confidential informants were present at the Capitol or in the Capitol during the infamous siege? And what roles did they play? Merely passive informants or active instigators? Finally, of all the indicted, unindicted co-conspirators referenced in the charging documents of those indicted for crimes of one sex, how many worked as confidential informers or as undercover operatives for federal agencies, FBI, Army Intelligence, etc.? From now on, all discussion, all discussion of January 6th must give way to a laser focus on the questions above with an unwavering persistence of obtaining the answers. If the narrative about 1-6 does not confirm to the questions, conform to the questions above, the American people will never learn the most important truth about what 1-9 January 6th is. 
And that is what kind of country are we really living in? If it turns out that the federal government did in fact have undercover agents or confidential informants embedded within the so-called militia groups indicated for conspiring to obstruct the Senate certification of January 6th, the implications would be nothing short of seismic especially if such agents or informants enjoyed extremely senior-level positions within such group. If it turns out that the federal government had any undercover agents or confidential informants embedded in any of these groups, the federal intelligence agencies failing to warn of potential violence look less like an innocent mistake and more like something sinister. It is unsettling to, to entertain the possibility that the federal government knew of potential violence on 1-6 and did nothing to stop it. It presents the question, why would agencies or certain elements within the government sit back and let anyone, let anything like this happen on purpose? A still more disturbing possibility arises from a careful study of the unindicted co-conspirators listed throughout the various charge documents of the individuals facing the most serious charges related on the 1-6. So let me, let me explain this to you. What they did is they read the charge documents, and they also did a study of the, the uh, infamous you know, kidnapping of Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, that the FBI brought out, okay, before the election, that also looks bogus. In the Whitmer, uh, you know, attempt to capture the governor, it turned out that 60% of the individuals involved, including the le- all the leaders, were FBI agents. So these people were set up. They create The FBI created the crime. And then charge them. Understand what I'm saying? So we all knew when we saw January 6th, we knew it wasn't our people. And we know Oath Keepers. Oath Keepers is not a a terrorist group. Oath Keepers is a proud organization of former police and military who served our country and swore an oath. These are good people. So when they start calling them, you know, terrorist organizations, I knew something was wrong. Well, when you read this article, you will see throughout it that there are literally like 200 people who have not been charged, who are identified as committing the same quote-unquote crimes as the people they've locked up in solitary confinement for breaking into the Capitol, attacking the police or whatever. There's 200 people they haven't indicted. You know why? Because they were all working for the FBI, the DOJ, Army Intelligence, whoever. And they instigated what happened on January 6th. And they knew they were doing it. And Pelosi and the, and the D.C. police and the National Guard, they let it happen on purpose, folks. This was a setup. Just like Charlottesville was a setup. Back then, if you listen to my radio show and podcast, I screamed about we need an investigation in Charlottesville because I guarantee you there are emails between the governor of Virginia, the mayor of Charlottesville, the police chief of Charlottesville with Black Lives Matter, with the socialist you know, uh, Soros organizations to entrap the people that were protesting against the tearing down of Confederate uh, statues and to cause the death of that woman. That was a setup. A political hatchet job. So was January 6th. And we're going to prove it. But you got to go read this article because it's really powerful. And there has been since more articles that have come out of people who've claimed the same thing. Now, all of that 
it has resulted in a document that came out this week, uh, you know, that was called the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. This disgusting piece of political garbage put out by our federal government, signed on the first page by Joe Biden, is a fascist document. This is basically a strategy to use the FBI, the DOJ, our courts, the FISA court, just like Comey and McCabe and Strzok and those criminals did in the Russia, Russia probe. This document is trying to legalize and justify the literally the political targeting of Democrats, socialist, communist opponents in our country. That's what that is. That's that piece of garbage is. Okay? And it just it just shows you when I talked to you in the last couple of weeks about the fact that we need to be as ruthless as these people are. They're not playing games. They're playing for keeps. We should have had a document like this. Better yet, we shouldn't have even written the document. We should have just done it. And we should have been going after Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the whole George Soros infrastructure of hundreds of organizations that are basically RICO. These are organizations that are coordinating to break all kinds of laws in our country. And we've never done it. That's why when we gain power again, the FBI must be abolished. I'm telling you, that's just the way it has to be. You can't fix it. It's corrupt from the top to the bottom, and their actions in January 6th prove it, as have so many other of their actions. And, and, and Chris Farrell from Judicial Watch said it in the first year of the Trump administration, abolish the FBI and replace them with the U.S. Marshals Service. And that's what Trump should have done, and he didn't do it. And now we're paying the price. Now we're paying the price. So, oh, they're all a Twitter. They're all, you know, white nationalism is our biggest national security threat. And boy, we need to address that and write this stupid, not stupid, this evil document. Okay? And in the meantime, the real threat, the real people who are attacking our country, Antifa in Portland, and, and all the Black Lives Matter groups over the country who want what? They just want to destroy our country. In Portland, the riots there have been going on for a year, for a year. And so the Portland Police Department's riot control squad voted to res resign in mass after one of their officers was charged with assaulting a protester because his baton hit her in the back of the head, which he claimed was accidental, okay? Before it was even decided, the city of Portland gave her $50,000, and now they want to charge this officer who was under in a, in, a, in a total fight with Antifa, but they don't charge any Antifa people, right? So Joe Biden and your Democrats and all you people who support them, all you Democrats, socialists, you uninformed simpletons, you useful idiots, this is what's happening in our country. The police department is being defunded and assaulted by people who rioted after Biden was elected, who rioted after the George Floyd verdict, even though they got the verdict they wanted. You know why? Because they want to tear down our nation. That's their goal. And we're letting these people run amok in an American city. Where's the federal troops there? 
The media who criticized Donald Trump, who want to send the National Guard there, who sent federal agents there to protect the federal courthouse, and the mayor and the governor and the congressman there were going crazy that Trump is a fascist. No, no. Remember Saul Alinsky's rules. They are always what they call you. They are the fascist. That document is a fascist document. And we've got to defeat these people. All right, last week I had a large, uh, you know, a very lengthy discussion with you about the um, President Trump's endorsement of candidates and how he needs to talk to the grassroots about that. And so, you know, I've got a lot of feedback from you guys, and I was happy that most of you felt the same way. And we've been trying to talk to the Trump people, and we tried to make some progress on that. I think we may have. And and I actually, there's a guy, Mike Carey, who he endorsed for the 15th Congressional District in Ohio. And I actually talked to Mike Carey this week. And I explained to him our concerns about, you know, his being endorsed because I didn't know the guy from Adam. And neither did most of the people who supported Trump in the state. And I explained to him why he needs to work hard to give our people some comfort that he's someone they should support, even though the president supports him. And so I was glad I had that opportunity. And then this, uh, come a week from this today, a week from this Saturday, on the 26th, uh, President Trump is coming to Wellington, Ohio, which is in Lorain County, just west of Cleveland, for a, a, one of his first rallies. And uh, this is a big deal because he's coming to support Max Miller, who was someone I mentioned last week, who is a Trump you know, a, a person who works in the Trump White House who President Trump has also endorsed for Congress. And it's it's pretty telling that President Trump is coming for his first rally, and they're calling it former President Trump next. Former President Trump will next week make his first stop on a so-called revenge tour to try to oust the House Republican who voted to impeach him, stomping in Cleveland against Ohio GOP uh, uh, Congressman Republican Anthony Gonzalez. Trump will headline an event for former Trump administration official Max Miller on June 26th in Cleveland. He says of Max Miller, uh, Max Miller is a wonderful person who did a great job at the White House and will be a fantastic congressman, Trump said. He is a Marine veteran, a son of Ohio, and a true patriot. So I'm telling you, that's going to be sold out. That's going to be a big deal. Okay? And so we're trying to work with these people and, and trying to work with the president but I, I do appreciate those of you who wrote to me from around the country about whether this endorsing of candidates for Senate and Congress from President Trump is tied to some of the people like Kellyanne Conway and, and um, uh, uh, Corey Lewandowski and, and Brad Parscales and people like that. And, and thank you for those who wrote to me about that. I'm trying to figure out what's really going on. Now, we talk a lot about, you know, how you can't believe what, you know, we're being told all the time. And all you hear about on the propaganda media is censorship, censorship, censorship. And I keep saying to you, well, if it's working so well, how come, you know, we aren't believing any of this stuff? How come, as you'll see in the rest of the show, there's all kinds of things that we know about that they banned or censored? It's not working because we're building our own ecosystem. So I came across this story, which you're just going to love, Okay. Trump may be banned from Facebook, but he's still reaching millions through his family. 
Let's see. Uh, President Trump still benefits from easy access to large social media audiences as he continues to receive boosts from allies, including family members, who help his message reach millions every month. Members of the Trump family, including the spouses of his three adult children, earn over 6.3 million interactions on posts and nearly 44 million views uh, on shared on Facebook over the past month, according from data from Crowd Triangle, an analytic tool owned by Facebook. Trump's oldest son, Donald Trump Jr., provides by far the biggest platform for his father's political agenda, clocking an average of 7.6 million interactions on his posts each month since March. And, and, let's see, and sometimes ranking among Facebook's most popular posts of the day. Because of boosts like these, Trump's message can reach social media audiences comparable in size to those he commanded while still on Twitter and Facebook, a New York Times analysis published Monday found. In fact, the outlet found 11 of the 89 statements Trump has published online since he was banned from mainstream social media sites have attracted as many likes or shares as the median post before the ban, if not more. Right? Perspective. We talked about that every week. They are not winning. We are fighting back and holding our own, and there's proof. Here's some more proof. Okay? Nickelodeon ratings down during LBGTQ propaganda push. You'll love this story. Nickelodeon and its networks targeted at toddlers, Nick Jr., are bleeding viewers quickly. According to the site Pirates and Princesses, the network's viewership has dropped from 1.3 million viewers per week in 2017 down to 372,000 per week currently. That's a 71% viewership loss in just four years, with Nickelodeon pushing out an extreme LGBTQ agenda to America's youth. The decline in ratings makes sense. The real question is, what are the remaining 372,000 parents thinking? It is one of the most egregious examples. A cartoon version of drag queen Nina West was depicted at a pride parade singing about all the LBGTQ groups loving each other so proudly. The clip must be watched to fully understand the level of total depravity. And we're turning it off. And we're not letting our kids see it. And they're not winning. They're talking to a tiny, tiny audience. The vast majority of us are not listening or watching to the propaganda. That's what you need to do. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast, and my name is Tom Zawistowski. The We the People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We the People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We the People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. All right, and we're back, and we thank you for watching the show. We thank you for donating, and we thank you for acting on the things that we ask you to act on. And we're going to get right to that right now. Last week, we talked about uh, Governor Abbott in Texas said he's going to build his own border wall. And uh, he said the federal government won't do it, so we're going to. Well, this week he announced that he's put uh, $225 million from their state uh, you know, uh, security department to help fund this wall. They're going to be uh, talking to private landowners 
and they're going to use state lands to put the wall on. And he did announce that they're going to try to do some sort of a fundraiser where private people can donate to do that. And I, I think that's great, and we will donate, and I hope you will, and we hope that will continue. We also talked last week that Texas and Arizona uh, wrote a letter to all the governors in the other 48 states asking them to send police to the border to help arrest illegal aliens coming over the border illegally. And basically they're going to build prisons uh, and they're going to, you know, they're going to arrest them for state charges, which you're allowed to do. Supreme Court has already ruled that. And they're going to put them in jail for trespassing and things like that. Now, it was, I was glad to see, and while you won't be surprised by this at all, but Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sends law enforcement to help secure the southern border. Wouldn't you know that, you know, Ron DeSantis would be the one to do that? Uh, Governor, let me read this to you. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis announced his state is sending law enforcement to help secure the southern border during a press conference on Wednesday at Escapia County Sheriff's Office. DeSantis said officers from multiple law enforcement agencies are being sent to help out Arizona and Texas borders. The Republican governor asserted securing the southern border will help make Florida safer, specifically when it comes to meth and other drugs coming across the border. He mentioned to have already taken action in suing the Biden administration for changing the policies that now allow ICE to release illegal criminals back in the U.S. The state of Florida is answering the call. Florida is going to support Texas and Arizona, he declared, where the federal government has failed and states are stepping up to fill the void. Now, our problem is, where are the other governors? I didn't hear a single other governor that did that. So if you go to this page at wethepeopleconvention.org, you can see you know, all the information you need about this topic. And we're asking you, as we did last week, to call your governors. Many of you did. I got notes from you. You showed me what you sent them. You, you, know, you said you were sending them there on their web forms, emails, phone calls. We got to renew that. I'm asking you this week. If you go to that website, you can actually download the letter, the PDF that was sent to the governors. Send that letter to your uh, uh, state representatives, state house, state senate, and to your governor and say, it is in our state's best interest to stop the illegals coming across the border because Biden administration is flying them into our states. And then we have to pay for their education and their health care and their housing and their food. Okay? We don't want these drugs killing our our family members it's in our best interest of states to send people to the border not where are the other 17 republicans i know those of you wrote to me and said you know my governor is newsom or you know Cuomo or whatever and it's a hopeless cause and i ask you to write to your representatives anyway just to let them know we're there but those of you in the other 17 republican governor states we got to grab them by the throat and say listen this is important Turn your attention to something that's important. Defend our nation. And hopefully they will. So please, call your governor this week. All right. Now, we've been talking a lot. Uh, and last week, we, we covered uh, the whole issue of critical race theory being forced upon our military members by the woke you know, uh, Defense Department and the Biden administration, and that this has got to stop. So there was a hearing this week uh, you know, on Capitol Hill, and it was uh, 
and the admiral for the Navy, the head of the Navy, uh, a recent congressional hearing, two House Republicans pressed Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Michael Gilday, about why the book How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi is included in the Chief of Naval Operations Professional Reading Program, a voluntary reading list that is meant to help sellers learn about leadership. He said, now I understand this is a voluntary reading list, but how does exposing our sailors to this idea that they are either oppressors or oppressed and that we must actively discriminate to make up for past discrimination and prove our Navy's readiness and lethality for greater power competition, Republican Doug Lamborn, Republican of Colorado, asked at Tuesday's hearing. I want you to hear some of this. I think it was pretty good. Operations Admiral Michael Gilday. Here's how it went. Kendi's book states that capitalism is essentially racist. And Kendi is clear that racism must be eliminated. So yes or no? Do you personally consider advocating for the destruction of American capitalism to be extremist? Here's what I know, Congressman. So yes There's or no racism question, Admiral. in the United States Navy. Admiral, you I recommended every sailor in the United States Navy read this book. So yes or no question. I'm not forcing anybody to read the book. It's on a recommended reading list. Admiral, did you read the book? I did. Admiral, you said you read this book. What part of this book is redeeming and, and qualifies as something that, that every, every sailor in the United States critical read it? about his own journey as an African-American in this country, what he's experienced. Let me ask you again, Admiral, do you expect that say, after sailors read this book that says that the United States Navy is racist, that we will increase or decrease morale, cohesion, and recruiting race into the United States Navy? I think we'll be a better Navy from having open, honest conversations about racism. Open and honest conversations about racism. Well, that would be nice. But it's an amusing line coming from someone who claims to have read Kendi's book, as Gilday says he has. Open and honest conversations are racist. Kendi said that many times. So let's say, open and honestly, you decided that you cared more about the way people behave than the way that they look. Let's say you took Martin Luther King at his word and judged people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. If you were to do that, Ibram X. Kendi says you were a racist. Quote, the claim of not racist neutrality is a mask for racism. The language of colorblindness is a mask to hide racism. A colorblind constitution for a white supremacist America. That's so there you have it from Tucker Carlson. You know, and here's this general and you just see how they don't get it. And I go back to that video I told you about at the beginning of the show for, with Barry Weiss talking to Jordan Peterson. They tell you why this general is so delusional. Not specifically him, but people who think like him. That's why you've got to study your enemy. But here's what we've got to do. And I've asked you to do this, and I'm asking you to continue to do this. Help us stop critical race theory training in our military. How? By telling Republicans they cannot authorize the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, which funds our military, which is coming up unless that bill completely bans anything like what this dumbed admiral was doing. Can't have it. Not one dime should go to our military. Why should we Again, for this, because of this reason, why should we as taxpayers fund a military that that admiral and, and the head of the Defense Department and the Biden administration is trying to teach to hate us, to hate America, to hate capitalism? Why would we spend money to build an army that's going to de destroy us? We want to defend our military. 
We know because our sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and cousins are, are, and uncles and aunts are, and nieces are in the military and they don't believe this crap, okay? And there's a video on the We The People Convention website where you see uh, Josh Hawley uh, interrogating you know, the defense director and talking about how all, all, they've gotten hundreds of reports of people leaving the military because they're being forced to believe this nonsense, okay? I need you to act to defend our country. Talk to your congressman, talk to your state senator, and say it is a national security imperative that we not fund the critical race theory teaching in our military. It's not negotiable. They aren't getting the message yet. We got to get them the message and tell other people to call as well. Send them to that page at wethepeopleconvention.org. Okay? Now, critical race theory has just exploded, and I know you know that. And we helped start it off. We put this page on our website, How to Take Back Your Schools. It is the number one link right in the front of our page. It says, take back your schools. And, and on this page, it is there's, you will now see a whole bunch of articles that are linked that are basically other organizations who've created incredibly good tools that help you fight critical race theory in your schools. Now, the way that we've operated in the 11 years that we've been going on here at the Weed People Convention is we've, we've tried to fill the breach when there's a break in the wall to fight fights that need to be fought that nobody else is fighting. But we've also known when other people are more passionate, have more resources, and can be more effective to fight a certain thing, that we step back into a support role. So that's like with life. We're very pro-life. We support all the life groups that we, that we know of and, and with donations and with efforts that we make. But we don't lead the pro-life fight because they're doing an awesome job. Okay? Well, in critical race theory in your schools, there are incredible people in states all over this place. You see them on TV over the place. And I'm asking you to get involved with those groups. And you can go to wethepeopleconvention.org, click on that button, how to take back your schools, and you'll see links to some of those groups that have literally step-by-step things. I just posted an article that says, How to Defeat Critical Race Theory, a a day-by-day guide, where this guy shows this incredible effort he made that just defeated it in his school, wiped it out. Just read it and apply it, right? That's what we have to do. But we're we're just not going to be able to take the lead on that. Now, one of the things we are taking the lead on, and we have been you know, doing this for quite a while, we, because Ohio is close to West Virginia, a lot of the people from Ohio have been traveling to West Virginia, going to Joe Manchin's office. We've been trying to encourage that. Some of the liberty groups in Ohio, particularly like Glenn Newman down in Marietta, Ohio, they've been dr- dr- really engaged in West Virginia. Well, to, a very disturbing thing happened this week because there was a leaked Zoom call showing that Manchin was telling these billionaires what it would take to get him to move on the filibuster. And what's what's upsetting about this is Manchin has pretty much said he, you know, he's going to uphold the filibuster, but now he's kind of hedging and talking about things he would accept that we would not accept, okay? And and so it's time for you to call Joe Manchin again and tell him not to sell out America. His number is on the screen, it's 304 
888-985-5855. That's his office in Charleston. You can find other office phone numbers if you just search for it on the internet under Senator Joe Manchin. But it's time for us to, to, to make sure that we're putting pressure back on him to not do this. There was something that was really odd. And if you, if you go to that page, there's a link uh, to this Zoom call, okay, that, that you got to read the transcript. Because it's really interesting what these billionaires are talking about and what he's talking about. But what's really weird is Joe Manchin is trying to say that it really hurt his position to hold out for uh, you know bipartisanship in the Senate, which is what he's saying he's using to defend the filibuster, when the Republicans didn't vote for the January 6th commission. And listen what Manchin says in this call. He goes, what I'm asking for, I need to go back. I need to find three more Republicans, good Republican senators that will vote for the commission so at least we can tamp down these people who say, well, Republicans won't even do the simple lift, common sense of basically voting to do a commission that was truly bipartisan. It's just really emboldens the far left saying, I told you that bipartisanship doesn't work, Joe. Joe, I got a clue for you. Bipartisan? The January 6th commission that Nancy Pelosi wants to put together would be bipartisan or in any way fair or unbiased? You've got to be kidding me. Where the hell were you when, when we saw what uh, they did with the Russia Russia special counsel? How bipartisan was that? How freaking legal and lawful was that? You're an idiot, Joe Manchin, if you think this is going to be bipartisan, and the Republicans who voted for it should be taken out of office. This is nothing but the communists trying to destroy the Republican Party, and Joe Manchin's on a conference call telling billionaires to offer money to Republicans to get them to commit political suicide. Wow. This shows you how stupid the people running our government really are and how corrupt they really are. And how out of touch with you they really are. Call Joe Manchin, 304-342-5855. I sent this out on Friday to our, our national list, and, and I heard that, that you could only leave voicemails because we filled it up, his mailbox. You couldn't even leave voicemails. And again, if you aren't getting our emails and our text messages, again, go to wethepeopleconvention.org. Right on the front, it says, give me your email address, give me your phone number so we can text you. The texts work way better than email. That's why we asked for them. And I sent out things where you need to act now, right now. And you did. I need the rest of you to do the same thing. This is really important. If we lose the filibuster, they get their way. They're going to offer Joe Manchin everything to turn the filibuster over so they can jam their communist anti-American agenda through. We can't let that happen. We got to fight for our liberty, our freedom, and our prosperity. That's what we do. Call Joe Manchin. Another big thing happened this week that I want to bring to your attention because I think it's really important. The Senate uh, you know, made a confirmation today. Federal trade commissioners don't usually make national headlines, but on Tuesday, upon being confirmed 69 to 28 by the Senate and immediately sworn in as the agency's chair, the confirmation of Lynn Kahn spawned news alerts that had phones rattling all over the country. At age 32, wow, that seems young, Khan is the youngest member to join and lead the Federal Trade Commission, which is tasked with the dual mission of protecting consumers 
and promoting competition in the marketplace. As a notable critic of concentrated economic power, her confirmation is designed specifically to guide the agency toward more aggressive enforcement. This is especially true in the area of big tech, where Khan had made her name as a Yale Law student in 2017, authoring a paper called Amazon's Antitrust Paradox. The paper suggests that the jurisprudence consensus in America's antitrust law was insufficient to tackle the concentrated growth in the digital economy. Okay, Last week, the House Antitrust Subcommittee um, introduced five bipartisan bills aimed at addressing critical areas of uncompetitive entrenchment by the company's largest tech companies. The Department of Justice and 50 attorney generals, state attorney generals, are leading an antitrust lawsuit against Google, while 46 state AGs have joined the Federal Trade Commission in a case against Facebook. Ohio's attorney general, as we talked last week, Dave Yost, recently filed a lawsuit claiming Google should be a public utility, and a similar argument is being made in separate legislative proposals from two U.S. senators of uh, one of whom is the lead Republican on the Senate Com Commerce Committee. The New York Senate just passed a bill to update the state's antitrust laws, and Florida has a new law prohibiting tech platforms from banning political candidates and giving citizens a private right of action. In the U.S. Senate, everyone from Josh Hawley to Amy Kohlbach and Mike Lee agree that status quo of federal antitrust en enforcement is not working. Okay, now, what's interesting is even Steve Moore and a lot of leftists, excuse me, a lot of supposed conservative groups, Heritage, Freedom Works, uh, Cato Institute, uh, American Majority, different groups have gotten money from Google and Facebook, and they're out telling you that, oh, and Steve Moore wrote this piece of crap thing in his email. I love Steve Moore. I think he's really bright. But he's trying to tell me that having Facebook and Google as monopolies is a great thing. It's good for America. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because, it, you know, Steve Moore, you're forgetting the most important thing. The, the, the most dangerous thing in a capitalist society is a legal monopoly. That's why we broke up the railroads. We broke up the uh, phone company. We broke up the oil companies. We have to break up Facebook and these people. And so there's an article in the Federalist that says five new big tech antitrust bills are a put up or shut up moment for Republicans. And you will note that 21 Republicans, half of the Republicans in the Senate nearly, voted to confirm this lady. Now, again, the Republicans are going to complain. Oh, you know, she's going way too far and she's anti-big business and all that. Well, shut up. We had our chance during the Trump administration to fix this, and you did nothing because you took bribes from Google and Facebook. All of you did. All of you Republicans did. And all of you, quote-unquote, conservative groups betrayed the people who've supported you for decades. This censorship and, and, and just really this illegal monopoly in Facebook, Google, you know, YouTube needs to end. And I agree, it must be a public utility. And if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, you'll see the Dave Yost story, and, and you'll see a, a statement by me about why I believe it needs to be a public utility. But this is big news, and we hope it's going to change. Okay? We'll see what happens. And that is bipartisan. That actually has support on both sides for different reasons. It's got a chance, a real chance. We'd like to see that this year. Okay, now, a couple more things before we uh, wrap up the show. Um, the Supreme Court. 
Supreme Court made two decisions uh, this week, and you know one of them was uh, a 9-0 decision not to take a California uh, lawsuit about their uh, their voting and and the fact that they have winner take all elections. Again, the Supreme Court ruled that they weren't going to take it because they didn't have standing. That's bullcrap. They also voted, uh, you know, uh, Supreme Court rules Christian foster agencies can't be forced to place kids with same-sex couples. And this is a unanimous 9-0 decision, okay? And, and the left went bonkers. None of these matter. What this means to you is nothing. They copped out. First of all, the lack of standing is the same bullcrap excuse the Supreme Court used to not hear the, the suits by Texas saying that Michigan and, and Wisconsin and, and Georgia cheating and Pennsylvania cheating stole our votes in Texas, which was should have been heard. They said they didn't have standing. It's a cop-out. They copped out again on the California election laws. Okay? They're just frauds. They're just frauds. They're political activists in black robes. And then this ruling about the religious freedom, here's the problem. And there were two, you know, several consenting opinions. They just ruled specifically on this case in Philadelphia and refused to make any kind of decision that's broad-based because they're cowards, because they're hiding behind the law. They're not ruling according to the law. They're pathetic. So don't pay attention. I'll let you know if there's something that really matters. They've got a bunch of decisions this month. We'll see if they stand up and do anything. In the meantime, I'll tell you what didn't matter in the courts. Louisiana federal judge rules that Biden's ban on new oil leases must be lifted. A Louisiana federal judge ruled the ban on new oil leases on U.S. lands and waters puts in place by Joe Biden's administration must be lifted nationwide. Judge Terry Doherty of the Western District uh, Court of Louisiana on Tuesday sided with 13 conservative states, including Louisiana General's Attorney General Jeff Landry, and saying the pause on drilling should be lifted. Uh, Joe Biden halted lease sales on federal lands and waters as an, ex as an executive order in January. Alabama, Alaska, uh, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, uh, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia joined the Louisiana suit. That's good news. That makes a difference. It stops the Obiden, Obama, you know, the, oh, the Joe Obama administration, fake administration, from breaking the law, which is what they're doing. Here's another case we won. Judge Hall's Biden $4 billion financial aid program for farmers of color. A federal judge has put the brakes on a nearly $4 billion Biden administration effort intended to provide debt relief to farmers of color, noting that the program doesn't even consider the financial status of the applicants, just their race. Their race. The relief program launched in March under Biden's American Rescue uh, Plan Act paid up to 120% of the loans for farmers or ranchers who are black, Hispanic, Latino, American Indian, or Alaska Natives, or Asian American or Pacific Islanders. The $3.8 billion initiative drew an April lawsuit in Wisconsin federal court by 12 white farmers and ranchers from nine states who said they were excluded from the program due to their race. Judge William Greisbach issued a temporary restraining order on Thursday halting the program while the case was decided. Greisbach pointed out that the United States Department of Agriculture provided the debt relief without actually considering the financial circumstances of the applicants. 
and there was no evidence of intentional discrimination by the agency in recent agricultural subsidies or pandemic relief. So they were fixing a problem that didn't exist. There was no history of discrimination, but we're going to just make it up and we're going to break federal law. The only consideration to determine whether a farmer or rancher's loan should be completely forgiven is the person's race or national organ, Griesbach wrote. Plants are completely excluded from participation in the program based solely on their race. The obvious response to a government agency that claims it, it continues to discriminate against farmers because of their race or national organs is to direct it to stop. It is not to direct it to intentionally discriminate against others on the basis of their race and national organ, Krasner Griesbach wrote in his decision. Congress cannot discriminate on the basis of race. Oh, really? Oh, I'm so shocked. You mean after all these years of telling us that we discriminate because of race when we're in power, that maybe it's wrong for them to do it? They don't care. They don't care. They just break the laws. They, they don't care what the law is. Communists don't care what the laws are. They're just trying to destroy our country by any means necessary. Here's one last court ruling that I thought was pretty good. Florida court rules against county mask mandate. A Florida state appeals court overruled a ruling last year that allowed uh, Alachua County to implement a mask requirement amid the COVID-19 pandemic. The first district court ruled two to one to overturn last year's decision by the county circuit judge. The trial court simply looked at the right asserted by Green too narrowly, relying on the wrong privacy jurisprudence, wrote Judge Adam Tannenbaum. Uh, the right to be let alone by government does not does exist in Florida as part of a right of privacy that Florida Supreme Court has declared to be fundamental. The Supreme Court has construed this fundamental right to be so broad as to include the complete freedom of a person to control his own body, the ruling added. Under the, this construction, a person reasonably can expect not to be forced by the government to put something on his own face against his will. Florida's constitutional right to privacy, then, necessarily is implicated by this nature of the county's mask mandate. Hey, a court actually ruled that you have rights to your own body and that government can't force you. Where was this ruling a year ago, right? Nowhere. But we're getting it done now, and that's okay. All right, that's okay. And all of this, you know, results in something that I thought was interesting. And wow, you're not surprised. Nearly half of Americans don't trust the CDA, the CDC, and FDA, and that's a problem. And there was a study done, you know, by the lefty organizations that says, as we hopefully see the light at the end of the COVID pandemic tunnel, America appears to have a major problem. A new survey released this week by the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, we found that America has a trust gap when it comes to public health. Americans want to spend substantially more money on public health at the federal level and have a very high level of appreciation for the health field. But at the same time, the public has extraordinary low levels of trust in the, instruction, in, in the institutions that lead this field and in the current performance of the public health system. In the middle of the public health crisis, we found that nearly half of Americans do not have high trust in the Center for uh, Disease Control and Prevention, Food and Drug Administration, or other major public health organizations when it comes to recommendations they make to improve health. Among Republicans, trust is even lower. Only about a quarter say they have a high trust in the CDC and, and the FDA or their state health departments. Like that's a mystery to you? After these people were wrong about everything from lockdowns to masks to, uh, you know, the, the, the deadliness of the virus to who can get it, who can't, you know, and you're surprised. I'm not surprised. But again, if they were so successful 
and censoring you and only making you hear the propaganda, why would half the country know that they are all full of it? Perspective. Keep perspective. Here's a couple more interesting stories, and then we'll wrap it up. Texas is having another power outage because of heat this time, not because of, of ice. The windmills, the, the electric windmills, turbines, won't fly in the heat because the air is stagnant. So what are they doing? Texas power companies are using smart meters. Remember how we talked about smart meters should be illegal because they're an intrusion on your privacy? You're paying for your heating, your oil, your gas, your electric, right? Your, your, your fuel for your heating and air conditioning. You should be able to decide how much you want to pay and how much heat and cooling you want. And then they said, no, 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 we're going to give you smart meters. Yeah, these smart meters in Texas are being used to raise the temperature in your house to 83 degrees or 88 degrees when it's 118 outside. Yeah, how comfortable is that? And of course, to, you know, to just show how stupid, you know, the, you know, and again, Joe Biden, we'll talk in a second about his EU trip, is overseas saying climate change and global warming are the biggest threat, and we've got to destroy our economy so that we can, you know, stop global warming, which there's no evidence that you can do anything about it, even if it existed, which it doesn't, okay? We're going into a, a new ice age, by the way. But California, yeah, they were warning about rolling blackouts this week because of the heat wave that they're going through, which is going all across, you know, Arizona. It was 118 in Arizona the other day. Uh, in Texas, rolling blackouts, the largest, most powerful, the richest state in our nation can't keep the lights on. And they want us to follow them to oblivion. That's who's in the White House, the same people who run in California. And then they wonder why we won't buy into it. Jeez, I don't know. And then, you know, I barely wanted to mention this, but Joe Biden went to Europe for on his first trip overseas, and it was for the G7 event. And uh, there's a nice article by Neil uh, Nigel Farage, who basically says America took a knee. And what he means by that is that Joe Biden went there, reversed everything that Trump did, gave told NATO, "We support you. We'll pay for everything. You don't have to pay your dues." You know, uh, basically told Europe, you know, uh, France and Germany, "Oh yeah, take advantage of us. We'll write the check for everything." It was an America last. America last. That's what it was. He was. A, he sounded like a fool. You can see all the clips online of him misspeaking, losing his thought process. People were laughing at him. He's a joke. But remember, he's not the president of the United States. He's an imposter, and and he is being used by globalists like you know, Europe, like the, the you know, Chinese for their own purposes, like Putin. Okay. And he made this big deal about confronting Putin. What a joke. He just gave Putin the biggest gift you could give him when he approved uh, the, the pipeline between Russia and Germany. I mean, it's just, it, you know, we're not that stupid, but Joe Biden is that stupid. And so is Kamala Harris, who's a complete moron, and the rest of the people. So just remember, they're not running this. There's, there's communists in our federal government running this. They're running our government. When we get back in power... We're going to have to remove them all, just like I talked about the FBI in the earlier segment. Okay, now we're going to talk about Father's Day. You know, everyone can be a father, but it takes a lot to be a dad. 
And I was thinking about, I wonder if we should call it Dad's Day instead. Because, you know, it really is true that anybody can be a father. But being a dad means being there, means teaching, means supporting, means, you know, helping your children achieve, you know, success and follow the right path. And dads are more important than ever. And yet, what are we doing in America to support dads? Really? Do you think that you think that all those TV commercials and movies which show every father to be dumb as a rock, to be cheating on his wife, to be a liar, to be incompetent, to just be, you know, a, uh, you know, a complete moron, right? Who only cares about sports and and things like that? Yeah, you think those help the image of dads? When's the last movie you saw that showed dads in a good light? Yeah. You get what you incentivize for. And we don't push back. You know why? Because most of those things, those attacks are on white men. Don't need to defend white men. We don't need those white men, right? Yeah, even though white men made America. Not slaves. Not slaves. White men made America. That's who made capitalism. Go all the way back to Europe, to Rousseau and, and, and Locke, and, and, and go to you know, Scotland with uh, you know, Adam Smith. So on Father's Day, take a minute to, to talk to the dads you know, the ones who've done a great job, and, and praise them, and thank them, and encourage them to continue. And the ones who are just fathers, have a talk with them. And see if you can get them to consider becoming a dad. Even if they've been gone for a long time, it's never too late for them to come in and be dads. Never too late. I've never seen anybody who's been estranged from their father who, when they got back together with him, weren't joyous about that. I've never seen a child not do that. Encourage those who were just fathers to become dads. And praise those who are dads because they're critical to you, your family, and our nation, and the world. Because they are the bedrock on which the family is built. We talked about moms and Mother's Day. We love our moms, but we need moms and dads. Remember I said dads, not fathers. Happy Father's Day, but happy Dad's Day, more importantly, to all of you who are dads. I love you. I'm proud of you. We're counting on you, and we pray for you. All right. All right. We're going to wrap it up. I thank you for watching the show. I want you to tell other people about it. You know, we, we are not on Facebook. We are not on Twitter. So the only way people know is by you guys telling people. You can send your comments and you can send story ideas and videos to me at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. I read tons of them. It's, you know, my communication is unbelievable. Um, I wanted to show you, you know, I tell you about the cards and, and things I get. This is a box of cards that I just recently gotten from you all saying thank you for what we do and we support what you do and I want you to do this and do that. I appreciate it when you send me cards and letters. And I, I try to write back. I try to acknowledge, but it's too many. But thank you for writing. Thank you for those emails. Thank you. This is, this is not a one-man show. We are in this together. I am I am not you know the person that's going to do everything. If I call Joe Manchin, if I call the governor, that's one call. That doesn't do it. 
collectively, we've got to act. That's why you watch this show, because we're going to defend and protect our individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity in our country. I'm telling you how to do it. I'm asking you to tell others so they can help us do it. Now, I'm thinking about some things, you know, down the road. We're watching the Maricopa County, you know, audits because I'm working on a national program. As I told you when I had my heart surgery that, you know, I kind of was going to sit back and kind of think a lot and read a lot and take some things in and try to learn and become a better person and to wait to see how God wants us to act, to see what we should do going forward. Because I don't know. These ideas just come into my head. And this week, an idea came into our head. For those of you who don't know about it, in Ohio, during 2020, one of our strategies to defeat social media, because we did not use social media at all, which is how we won Ohio in 2016, we did this thing called the Barn Billboard Program. And I took, uh, we went and, and recruited people that had big barns on interstates, and we paid for 40-foot by 20-foot billboards for Trump. And we had 100 of them in Ohio. We were getting 6 million exposures a day from our billboards. That's more than we ever would have gotten on social media. That's one of the ways we won Ohio for Trump by 8%. Working on an idea about Biden and Harris being illegitimate, illegitimate and Trump winning that I want to take nationally. If we get the proof we need of the fraud from Maricopa County or Michigan or Georgia or wherever, okay? Next week, I'll probably show you some more about that, but I think you're going to like it, okay? So we're working. We're fighting. We have a strategy. I'll lay that out for you in the the, next podcast, I think, okay? In the meantime, thanks for all you do. Never diminish what you do. Never say, I wish I could do more. If you get up every day and make one of those phone calls, write a letter, call in a radio show, write to a newspaper, talk to a friend, you're doing your job. Thank you for doing your job. Thank you for defending America. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back again next week. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. And my name's Tom Zawistowski.